This is the latest. Hi, welcome back to the latest. This episode is going to focus on oil protests that are currently going on around the UK with the rise of Just Stop Oil and their 32 days of protest in London. Their demands for the UK to end its reliance on fossil fuels has gathered interest and momentum with videos of their protesters amassing millions of views online. Their cause resonates with the current protests going on within the Leeds University campus led by Student Rebellion. They've been occupying a lecture theatre in the Esther Simpson building since Monday the 7th November and since then have held rallies to raise awareness and spread the word amongst students of their demands for the university to end their relationship with the fossil fuel industry. Amelia and I began by speaking to another student, George, who attended the Just Stop Oil protests in London as a reporter and could relay his first-hand experience of the atmosphere and public reception to the event. Um, so George, can you tell us a bit about your experience over the weekend and what exactly you were protesting about and for in London and how you went about it? So I was there, I've become very friendly um, with the actions of Student Rebellion within Leeds. So up to this point they've been doing a lot of actions like leafleting at the um, previous careers fair, they scared off Shell, so they never yeah. even arrived, took over the stands, that was very exciting. And um, I caught wind of um, some protests happening down in London. So I went down with a couple others to go, uh, not participate, but to get coverage of it. Um, So they had four locations across London. Um, I don't know the name of all of them, but I know the one I attended was just outside of Oval Tube Station. Um, And there were about 10 people. They went out to uh, block the road. Some of them glued themselves down chained themselves together and the whole thing overall just in summary was about two hours long took for the police to come and clear everyone off and then very much went back to normal straight after okay great and what was the reception like down there did a lot of were there a lot of members of public stopping and supporting you did you see any abuse happening well i mean the immediate reaction to them going out into the road with their banners high visits attaching themselves down um there was a very quick and loud reaction of aggression from some people. Mm. Um, understandably, a lot of criticisms they face are, you know, people need to get from A to B. Um, it's important. They're just um, inconveniencing the lives of average people. And of course, one of the people who was very upset was, um, you know, a DHL driver. I've known Postman in the past and it's, it's, it's a bloody hard job. And when you can't meet your schedule, that can really have knock-on effects for the rest of your day. That being said... What really surprised me was most of the public seemed to be pretty supportive of it, actually. Um, Of course, it was one of those things where the supportive lot were a lot more quiet. They weren't, you know, giving them any cheers or round of applause or anything. But just going round car to car, you know, general bystanders on the street, most of them said, like, yeah, good on them. Like, we're very happy that some people are going out and... um, you know, voicing such an important issue, but it, it was it was very, very split, nonetheless. Yeah, that's good to hear. I think sometimes there can be a lot of demonization of protesters in the media, mm. and it's really hard to get that positive mm. aspect as well and realize that actually there is a lot of public support for these yeah. sorts of protests, and that's why they're happening and why they'll continue to go on. Do you think the media is playing quite a strong role though in isolating 
the public from certain groups like just stop oil I, I think absolutely um i think part of the part of the problem lies within how media portray coverage mm. so um if you remember everyone saw the clip of just stop oil protesters throwing a tin of soup on the van gogh painting um not many articles did i see because i read quite a lot about it where they actually took the time to mention there was a glass cover over it and the painting yeah. was absolutely fine. And nor did anywhere seem to mention that up until that point, and still presently, every single day, um, or it may have just finished, um, I could be wrong, but I know for all of October, Just Stop Oil were outside of Parliament every single day. Um, police fans were showing up. I think they even flipped one one day. Um, and there was absolutely no coverage on that whatsoever. Protests I attended. Admittedly, they were... How should I say? They were very sudden. They were done very quickly. They were there and they were gone. And we were the only people there as media coverage. One of the other protests, um, on the other hand, uh, more in the centre of London, uh, did have coverage. But of course, you know, you see it on YouTube, you see something like The Economist. They post a video. They'll post the clip of the people very angry, ripping the banners away, swearing, shouting. And of course, there are very upset people and it's, it's I'm totally sympathetic as to why. Um, but that's not the entire reality of the situation. That's just the nice little soundbite to make them look um, a nuisance. And I think that's a real problem we have in this country of changing attitudes towards protests, not just in jo Just Stop Oil, but you can see it across all sorts of avenues. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. I think... It's really interesting. I think most of us will have seen that video mm. um, of the soup throwing. And I think when the protesters were asked, though, why didn't they say they knew that there was glass on the picture as well? And the protesters responded with, because they wanted to annoy people, they knew by they didn't particularly want to promote that themselves mm. because they knew by not saying that it would spark more debate and talk. And I guess it's just finding that fine line of what's sparking debate at the moment yeah. and encouraging support and what's making people angry and what's isolating people. And I think you're right. It's such a hard fine line to fit in, like find as protesters mm. um, and yeah, do exactly right. I think they suffer from a real like public image issue at mm. the moment. Largely perpetrated by the media, but as well, yeah. if if Just Stop Oil really want to show that, um, you know, they are fighting for a cause that people should be concerned about. I'm not saying they should stop their direct action. They've got to be as much a nuisance as possible. But so long as it doesn't get government recognition, the media keeps spinning it as them being a nuisance. I think they're still going to really, really struggle to get people on board. But on the flip side, it sparks conversations like the ones we're having right now. Exactly. So the more people who talk about that, hopefully you get more and more outreach progressively. But sadly, the clock's ticking on that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's very true. And yeah, so are you planning on attending more events in the future? And are you going to be going along just as a, to get media coverage? Or do you think you'll actually partake in action in the future? Um, I'm always there to draw the line as strictly media coverage. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important that people, everyone gets a voice. Um, so when we're there, we're not there to ask any leading questions. We're not there to do that kind of journalism where we stand from 200 meters away and give a report. That's not what we're there to do. 
we went there to go just ask what's on people's mind what are your what are your thoughts totally open-ended and just let people say what they wish to say mm. you know we were talking to the people who had glued themselves to the road we were talking to the people who were furious that they were doing this and i think in doing that hearing people's outrage and then hearing the people who support and the people who were doing it it lets people on one hand draw their own conclusions but i think when everyone has a platform in my view there is a stronger argument on one side and i think that really comes through when you give the chance to the voices of the people why are you doing this what possesses you the public who do support who don't get that headline news like man on side of road generally okay with how his day went does not make for good reporting <laughs> whereas dhl driver furious who beats up protester that's a headline yeah um so i want to always maintain you know whatever personal opinions i hold maintain that stance of neutrality and you know if they're capable then they'll do a good job of speaking for themselves and i'll happily platform that yeah okay thank you it'll be really interesting to see where they go next and mm. what more um forms of protest they carry out whether it's gonna continue i know this was a 31 day streak of protesting yes. wasn't it so do you know what just a will have in store for november or plan to carry forward now um i can't speak to that um if i did know i wouldn't be able to say and um i am not like I said, I'm there to report. I'm not actively a member yeah. of the organisation. So um, I do not know what Just Stop Oil are doing. In terms of local branches, I know not just at Leeds. Um, there are local groups of Just Stop Oil, Student Rebellion, etc., who are always working on more and more direct action. So that will be seen consistently for, well, as long as this remains an issue. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think it'll be going anywhere anytime soon. And I imagine you'll be hearing a lot, lot more about it soon. Yeah. And I think that'll be really interesting to see how it carries forward. Um, and yeah, go, coming from London, going down to the protest down there and seeing what's going to happen actually in our local area in Leeds mm. over the next few weeks. I think it'll be really interesting to see how groups like Student Rebellion and Just mm. Oil can come together and yeah, what new approaches they're going to yeah. take to affect change. I mean, King Charles will be coming along next week, I believe, um, to visit Leeds. So I'd, I'll be very interested oh, really? to see, yeah, if anything will be happening there. Because I imagine that could be quite an opportunity for them to get yeah. a bit of media coverage. I did see that. I did see that um, that uh, King Charles was coming down to Leeds next week. I think it's to open some sort of uh, some sort of building or something mm. thing that is that is mum did. Yeah, I can't speak Years to the prior. purpose. No, I don't know what it is. Um, but he'll be coming down. And I have heard other things as well about some kind of action being mm. taken. But I guess that's what we'll find out. I think it's just the issue needs to be pressed. Mm. Um, and I didn't even know about Just Stop Oil until this year. But have they been an organisation that's kind of been going a long time? Or has this specific organisation only come recently? To be honest, I can't really speak to the history of the organisation. Um, I mean, I think I'm in the same position where they have more entered the public eye recently. Um, why it's now under the brand of Just Stop Oil as opposed to Extinction Rebellion, um, I'm not sure. Maybe it was just a case of uh, rebranding on their part. You know, new phrase, maybe more to the point, Extinction Rebellion could be a bit more, I don't know, abstract, maybe. 
So potentially it was just a rebranding because I've heard a lot more about Just Stop Oil and not much about Extinction Rebellion recently. I, yeah. I imagine it's very much... You all share the same sort of morals yeah. and, and same kind wishes of and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it was established in 2022, Just Stop Oil, and I think mm. the same people were part of Extinction Rebellion. I think some people who founded it were part of that as well. And I think it has really taken off from October with their protests Mm. um but yeah I think it was new this year so that was George's take on the events in London and I think it'll be really interesting to see how the Just Stop Oil protesters demands are met especially now COP27 has got underway and I think in a month or so when decisions have been made from that it'll be interesting to see what changes Sunak's government will enact and whether they'll align with what the protesters were hoping for at all um and interestingly just a couple days after this interview happened was when student rebellion began their occupation of the esther simpson lecture theater and amelia and i did try and go and speak directly to some of the protesters unfortunately though security weren't letting us into the room and the occupants weren't allowed out unless it was for water food the toilet fresh air etc they weren't allowed to come and do the interview so very kindly they said we could send them some questions and they would answer them and send us some responses we firstly asked them to tell us about their activity over the last 48 hours and the demands that they'd asked for from the university regarding their responsible investment policy hello thank you so much for talking to us um Yeah, so we have occupied the Esther Simpson Lecture Theatre, LGO8, um, since Monday morning um, in order to demand that the university cut ties to fossil fuels. Um, We've outlined what that means in three three demands. So one of them is to refuse all funding um, from fossil fuel companies. Um, In the last five years, the School of Earth and Environment has received £11.2 million in funding from the fossil fuel industry. Um, which is affecting our research, it's affecting our teaching, um, and does, do, just doesn't have a place in our education, really. Um, the second demand is around an ethical careers policy. So we want the university to create and implement a careers policy which stops uh, recruitment through the university from fossil fuel companies. Um, so that means not allowing them onto our campus, um, like Shell and Schlumberger, who were invited earlier this year. Um, and also actively supporting students to access ethical career pathways. The last one is around investments. So we want them to create a ban on investments um, from those same companies. So that's oil, gas, coal, and mining companies. Um, So we're in this lecture theatre. We've been sleeping here. Um, We're just approaching our third night now. We've had no response from the university whatsoever in terms of in relation to our demands. We've got 24-hour security um, at all the doors. Um, We're now being prevented from letting anyone else in at all um, and limited access to toilets um, and water where we can go one at a time. Um, But in terms of our demands, they haven't been addressed at all. Um, So we're really sort of... um, frustrated with the university's response Um, but we've created a really nice space in the lecture theatre we've been running workshops and talks to invite people to for Monday and Tuesday 
uh, obviously Wednesday that hasn't been allowed by the university um, security team. Um, but um, yeah, we had loads of really amazing sort of educational sessions, um, learning a bit more about our university, the people who work here, um, as well as wider social and environmental issues. Thank you for outlining those demands so clearly and although the conditions sound extremely harsh, it's really great to hear that you've also created a good space to learn and also held some great workshops as well because I think for a lot of people they do really just want to learn more about the cause and more about what you're campaigning for and I guess that's what a lot of this is about as well, gaining publicity. Um, so can you tell us why as well then it's important for the university to commit to these changes? I think first of all we're in a climate and ecological emergency. Um, we're facing fears of crop failures um, for the next year. Um, we've seen horrendous heat waves across Europe um, just recently um, and it's only going to get worse and people around the world are already feeling these effects. So obviously there's a, there's a wider precedent or or reasoning behind this this really quite small change to the university um, and their place in in making change and really showing that they care about about the um, about safeguarding their students really and and the wider community um, and then in terms of the university engaging with us and meeting our demands I think it really represents a step towards collaboration with their students and staff. Um, We've seen recently like staff have been going on strike for a number of years um, without communications from management. Um, we've heard like of horrendous stories of how staff are being treated and um, their feelings towards the institution. And on top of that, students are being affected by those strikes. Um, like we know that staff don't want to see that at all. Um, I think all of these issues are so connected to the university really lacking in accountability and transparency, transparency towards their, their student body and, and their employees. And I think to engage with us would really represent a step towards that collaboration and showing that they're really listening to what students want and need um, from them as, as our institution, as a place that we interact with every day um, and such an important part of most of our lives. And I just don't trust them at all. You're right, it is really about communicating and working together. What response have you actually had from the university? Has it been written or spoken? This morning, we received a letter from the university outlining that we were, they were prepared to pursue with court proceedings. Um, so they will be filing an application for a possession order, which basically means they'll be able to evict us um, as, as squatters, sort of, um, as, as trespassers on their property. Um, and they've also threatened disciplinary action to the extent of expulsion of anyone involved in this protest. This is quite a severe reaction, I would say, <laughs> to, uh, to students wishing to collaborate with them, really wishing to um, get their voices heard um, in many different ways that we've tried. And this is absolutely a last resort. But this response is crazy. It's, it's <laughs> they're going to get in bailiffs to evict us. <laughs> this is our university. They're, they're going to expel us for exposing the fact that they have so much connection to these fossil fuel companies that are <laughs> ruining our futures, ruining the futures of, of their students, that they're 
they're responsible for really and ruining the lives of so many people around the world at the moment so in terms of how the university has treated us so far it's been it's been quite difficult actually um we we haven't really had a chance to talk about our demands to anyone and we haven't received a written response from any management um we have sent them our open letter we have um reminded them that, that we are still here <laughs> we'd we'd really love to chat to them we 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 have a space in which we we'd love to meet with them um but they're still yeah absolutely just not meeting with us and threatening us with this sort of action um it's quite scary to be honest but but <laughs> i'm slightly more terrified of the climate crisis so um i'm finding it quite difficult at the moment i think to weigh up those two two parts <laughs> Yeah, I think that will really speak to a lot of people, whether they're students or they work and they're wondering how they can balance their own careers, their uni lives with campaigning in the interests of a global cause. And I think there'll be so much admiration for you all very selflessly prioritising global climate change issues above your own university lives. Um and if the uni were to agree to your demands, do you think it would be quite a gradual process and something that would happen over the course of the year or could it be carried out quite quickly? I appreciate that our demands seem quite large um, and perhaps something quite slow. Um, I think the university's commitment to our demands could happen tomorrow. Um, all they need to do is write what we've written already and say that that's what they're going to do and they're obviously refusing to do that. I appreciate that that might be a gradual process, um, but not receiving any future funding, not investing any more in in oil, gas, coal, and mining companies is is pretty basic, really. And we're in this crisis, and it needs to happen now. This is why we, we feel like this this action is like absolutely proportionate. Um, so, yes, perhaps we do need a, a timescale, or rather than absolutely tomorrow. Um, but I just, I really think that we need to be demanding change as quickly as we possibly can because there is there is an urgency that this university is is not appreciating. We're 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 facing absolute climate collapse, and this crisis has been caused by these these companies, and they're funding our education. There's something so wrong and so warped about that logic that they're they're here to bring the solutions they're absolutely not these companies have invested millions in climate misinformation um they knew in the 1980s what was going on what they were doing and still since the paris agreement they're still investing in in making sure that people don't take this seriously and that's that's so damaging towards our education towards our moral responsibility to the rest of the world and yeah it's just i, I just it's crazy that they're, they're still accepting fossil fuel funding. Yeah, I think misinformation is the really scary thing that anyone can fall victim to. And the most important thing is definitely to just gain clarity and understanding by shedding light on these issues. Um, and so, yeah, finally, if any listeners wanted to find out any more about your protest or the wider global movement you're a part of, where can they do that? Yes, absolutely. So we are um, Student Rebellion. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at SRLeads or on Twitter at SRLeads underscore. 
um, but also part of a much wider movement. Um, students across the world are occupying their colleges and universities at the moment, right now. Um, uh, we had a call with folks in Portugal and Germany and Exeter <laughs> um, just recently. Um, so you can follow them at endfossil, at endfossil, um, or you can follow sort of the UK updates at end.fossiluk. Um, we'd really love some support. So if you want to pop by the doors, give us a wave, um, give us a like, share our posts, keep updated. That'd be really great. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for those responses. It was really valuable to be able to speak to someone actually inside the lecture theatre and get a first-hand response and record of information when I think sometimes so much can become misconstrued across social media and that actual important messages can be slightly lost and misinterpreted. So that was great, thank you so much. Um, at the current time of recording, the occupants are coming up to their fourth night now. And so it will be interesting to see how that progresses over the weekend. And this evening, there was also a rally to gather and show support, spread the word about what was happening. And Ray and I actually went along to the rally to see what kind of environment and message the protesters wanted to put forward, um, who were they attracting. It was actually gathering a lot of attention from people walking home from campus. Um, after a long day, it was at like 5 p.m. So there seemed to be a lot of attention from that. There was also some security there. Um, I think just making sure everything was peaceful. They weren't actually stopping any of the action. And it basically began with some speeches, which um, we have some footage of that we can play you just to show you exactly what was being said. And we got some footage of some speeches, which we'll play some small clips from now. And this all happened in the center of campus before everyone walked along to the Esther Simpson building and they stood outside you could see the occupiers of the theatre through the glass um, and so it was quite a nice moment where they could see everyone supporting them and you know vice versa it was um, great and at one point they got everyone inside on speaker read out a speech from them um, and it was really nice to have that contact which it seems like has been slightly limited and suppressed over the past few days so yeah it was actually a really great evening to just learn more about the whole movement so yeah here are some of the speeches to start with. The climate emergency is the greatest threat to humanity. Failure to deal with the climate emergency will lead to cities and countries going underwater, the destruction of ecosystems and global economic collapse. Urgent action is needed and the university must play their part. The student rebellion demands are reasonable, affordable and actionable. They need to be implemented so our university can lead the way on green issues and hopefully others will follow. So instead of threatening court orders and using intimidation tactics, the university should talk to the occupiers and under no circumstances 
should any disciplinary action be taken against them This is a struggle, a literal fight for our lives, and our demands are so easy and achievable it saddens us that the university isn't willing to even speak to us. In fact, saddens is the wrong word. It angers us that the university will go to the High Court and start an injunction rather than have a conversation. The university is getting a possession order to forcibly remove us rather than communicating. The university threatens us with expulsion before seeing our faces. They've woken us up to do random headcounts, they monitor our bathroom usage and leave the lights on at night. Uh, lights on at night. They have blocked us from speaking with press and the security guards outside all exits. We are not scared, we are angry. This all comes as a shock, as our friends at Exeter and Falmouth University have been occupying at the same time with similar demands and been having meetings multiple times with management staff. I think from those speeches, you can really get a sense of how the protesters were inspiring people around them and gathering support at the same time. And we were lucky enough to speak to a few of them after the rally had finished. So yeah, the main thing that resonated for me there was the messages of power in numbers and just a sense of community and solidarity. It seems like, you know, there was a really good turnout today. How are you going to keep up this momentum? So, I mean, we're going to obviously invite people to... Um, meetings of like student rebellion but there's so many different um, groups in Leeds and um, yeah I think also like connecting students to the wider Leeds community because there are amazing community leaders there and like um, super Um, important to like you know join forces because students we have the numbers a lot of the times we have the time Um, so we just want to make more people aware and like get them joined in on um, the fight and just like show the the joy of it as well because it's not all just like standing around and shouting it's also really beautiful moments and like connections and um yeah just like really nurturing those personal connections as well because that is what students so many students crave and um just show that it's more than just like student life is more than just going to lectures and um doing your little societies like you can actually create change and um, I think this is just the first um, big part of like student rebellion and we're gonna keep it going and like get more people involved and yeah there's already a lot of like plans for future actions and just keep the ball rolling yeah, yeah. Um, and on the point of community community is the most important of all renewable energy sources like community is self-sustaining like it's what keeps us going it what drives us like if people have climate anxiety and fear about the climate crisis the best thing you can do is take action with others in a community because you feel that sense of hope that hope is an active thing like when you're taking action that's that's how i get hope through taking action with other people and with community that are standing together and we're going yeah maybe we're scared but we're scared together and we're doing together and we're doing something about it and community is just so vital to everything because yes you know there's going to be effects of the climate crisis are already hitting but through community we can take action and also you know build those resilient like spaces where people can go actually yeah we can get through this
Yeah, that's honestly like a great message to put forward. Do you see it moving off campus and further into the city centre involving, like you said, locals, members of the community? What happens next when the focus moves, not just from Leeds University investors? Obviously, you mentioned this was a global movement as well. So what else can we do? What else is there to know about? I think um, as, as a graduate, I'm not necessarily involved with a lot of the stuff around the students but there are so many other community groups and stuff doing stuff around the climate crisis and taking action in a way that suits those people and those communities in a way that makes sense for them and connecting with those communities and taking action in solidarity with them is an excellent way to do that so we don't need to be one sort of one singular movement that spreads across the UK we can be lots of autonomous different small communities that act in solidarity with each other and actually take action in a way that makes sense for that community instead of you know having these overarching structures which is what has caused this problem in the first place a few people at the top in power so having almost more decentralized view of individual spaces you know that's that's why end fossil occupy is incredible because each of these student occupations is done not quite in isolation of each other but with its own community that's connecting with others but not informing how each others take action yeah and i know you were gonna say about the more of the international movement as well uh, uh yeah so just like obviously it's been like like quite an international movement you said you've been in contact with like people like all over the globe like where, where do you see that going what do you see the future of this movement um, as basically the future of the movement is looking at the past of many other movements I think that's that's where it gets tricky because we need to start learning from people that have been doing this for a really long time and so that's that's where it begins we need people to start educating themselves on strategies that people who have to have been taking action in their local communities for hundreds of years have been doing for a really long time so that's why like within the community of student rebellion we are working with something called Uh, planet repairs action learning educational revolution and we are taking information from communities from all over the world and taking it to people so they can learn about their struggles and the way in which they have decided to resist because we don't we can't do this if we don't learn from them because uh, basically resisting in a more systematic way organized way hasn't happened in the UK for a really long time and the privilege here means that people are so much more reluctant to take action because they're comfortable. So we need we need to look abroad to, to seek leadership and we need to put those who are most marginalized, most affected um, as that in, in in that solidarity chain. And if we don't we don't do that then we can't learn because there's so many other people already doing really great things. Um, so that's pretty much like not not, not saying like the future but the, the work of um, familiarizing ourselves with the type of things that we need to do and, and hopefully that that can mean that people can get comfortable um, like networking with organizations like, like PAFRAS that work with asylum seekers and also like with anti-raids that stop um, racist police taking our, our neighbors and our community um, and also like getting involved in mutual aid processes like food um, uh, solidarity and also like in all sorts of ways in which people may need to continue going in this like incredibly unjust system and we have a rich history of resistance and solidarity here in the UK groups like lesbians and gays support the migrants for example who acted in solidarity with the miners during the strikes and we're not taught about a lot of the resistance that has happened 
sort of in the UK in schools and in history because to be honest they probably don't want you to know that mm. actually when people come together they can make a huge difference yeah. and they can really act in solidarity with each other and you can really find hope in that because this isn't the first crisis we've experienced and it probably won't be the last but it is resilient community organizing that has got us through every struggle that we've had so far and it can get through it can get us through this as well yeah and you seem as well to have really good communication with the occupants at the moment um how long do you foresee them being in there are they planning on staying until the university meets with them in person do you think that's really unlikely to happen well that's the plan i mean it's not unreasonable demands um obviously in the beginning we were really hopeful because i mean like exeter university have you know the occupants there have been met by the senior management staff um, so it's like the least senior management could do is to come meet the occupiers. Um, but yeah, we're not sure what's going to happen. It's all kind of up in the air, depending on how the university reacts, how much support we get from the outside. Obviously, that's crucial because um, they could get they could get evicted. They could, you know, get thrown out um, of the space and also expelled from uni. So all up in the air, and we just need to. Um, show them support and like kick up a fuss and be like you know these are our our friends are you know we don't want anything bad to happen to them yeah it's it's an absolute disgrace that the university will tell people that they're helping them build their future whilst destroying it And so that was the response from the rally. I think this podcast itself has been a little bit of a whirlwind initially. um, Our intention was to focus on the Just Stop Oil protests in London and then another protest against fossil fuels unfolded on our own campus. And I think that just goes to show the speed and support that this movement is gathering. And I think that despite them being two completely different groups, with different branding different names and separate locations there's an interconnectedness and such a strong sense of a global movement they refuse to be confined to just climate change protest groups but emphasize community and inclusion and student rebellion were definitely delivering this message this week and they're such an example of how smaller protest groups can be used to inform, alert and inspire the community around them.